the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, we are focusing on the Passion of Christ. As we move into the Christmas season, it's nice to be reminded why it was that Jesus actually came to earth, born as a child. We'll talk about that next. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Welcome to our program. We are continuing our survey of the book of Luke. We find ourselves in chapter 22 as we take a look at Christ's betrayal, his arrest, and Peter's denial. That's what's in store for us as we move into the Christmas season, seeing what it was Christ was born to and why. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. God directed the battles of Caesar, the conflicts of kings, the migrations of peoples, the wars of this world, the courses of the stars and the sun and the moon, the change of epics and the complex movements of all things in the world in such a way that this hour would come and had to come. From all eternity, God reserved this hour for Satan. Turn with me to Matthew 26, and you'll see a terrifying description of this hour. And of course, beloved, the use of hour here is used figuratively. He actually means that evening of his suffering, the next day of his crucifixion, and the next two days of his burial. Matthew 26, verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a great multitude with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whoever I shall kiss, he is the one, seize him. And immediately he went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. And they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who was with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all of those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. Do you think I'm the victim here, Peter? Do you think these men are a control here? Put up that puny little sword. I don't need your sword. How then shall the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen this way? And at that time, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you didn't seize me, but all of this has taken place, that the scripture of the prophets may be fulfilled. 
Then all of the disciples left him and fled. In this moment, this hour, this period of time that God planned from all eternity that Satan would have his way with Christ, Christ was still in control. The hour of darkness had come. The hour of satanic power had arrived. And I can just see the 12 legions, thousands upon thousands of angels in heaven with their wings fluttering, trembling, ready to come to Jesus. We're here to rescue you, Lord. These guys don't have a chance against 12 legions of angels. And I can see them trembling, waiting for the smallest nod from the Lord of angels. But they can do nothing because there is no nod. All they can do is stand there helplessly in that hour, unable to rescue Jesus from the power of darkness because that is the predestined hour. So Satan and his demons come into this hour. They beat against Jesus with the vehemence of a tsunami one after the other. And behind their assaults, and don't you ever forget this, behind their assaults in that dark hour of subtonic power are the strokes of God the Father Almighty on his own son's back. Shielder said, God is blowing the flames of judgment against his son because he has made him to be a curse for us. God himself throws open the doors of the prison house of hell and all of the ominous demons creep out of it and rush to Jesus to hiss and sting him to death for us as our substitute. Unquote. So when you read in the Bible that it pleased the Lord to crush him in order to save us, it was that hour when he set the demons loose and then the next day when God the Father crushed him. When you read in the New Testament in Romans 8 that God did not spare his own son any pain but delivered him up for us all, that in him we might receive all things. Beloved, think of this hour. Think of this moment when Jesus looks at Satan and all the powers of hell and he says, Go to it. From all eternity, we, the Trinity, have saved this hour for you. No one will stop you. That hour of darkness that belonged to Satan is at the same time, though obviously, a manifestation of God's grace and God's comfort, precisely because of the fact that God predestined that hour. However horrible and terrifying it may seem to us, and it was, in that hour, those satanic forces could do only that which God allowed him to do and nothing else. In that hour, planned from all eternity, God gives Satan the freedom to attack Jesus in order that by attacking him, he might vanquish Satan. Or in other words, to put it in biblical terms, after Satan finishes bruising Jesus' heel, Jesus is going to cross Satan's head. So that hour of darkness is also Christ's hour of triumph. Do you remember how he begins his high priestly prayer in John 17? In the first three verses, he's talking about this very hour. The same hour he says to Satan, this is your hour, 
Notice what he says about that hour. John 17, 1 through 3. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you have him have given even as you gave him authority over all flesh or all mankind, that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they who may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I'm going to be in a terrible hour, Father, when Satan is turned loose on me. But what is really going to happen that hour? Father, you will be glorified. And I am going to be glorified. And my people are going to be saved. Now, why does it say this was Jesus, this was Christ's hour? How in the world, by turning Satan loose on Jesus, was that going to be the glorifying of God and of Jesus? Well, let me examine two passages. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Now, I'm going to misread it because I want you to get the point of the text. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and watch to see if you can figure out how I misread it. Speaking of Christ's incarnation and death, it says, Since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through his second coming he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all of their lives. Does it say at the second coming of Christ when he is going to render Satan powerless? But until we've got, until then, we've got to be terrified by his awesome power? Of course not. It says that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all of their lives. It was the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that Satan's head was crushed. It was in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that Satan was so defeated. He is no longer an insurmountable obstacle in the path of the growth of Christ's kingdom and Christ's church. And he is no longer an invincible threat to your life as a Christian as long as you stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why the hour of darkness was Christ's hour. He let Satan have his way with him so he could destroy Satan. Turn to John 12, verses 31 through 33. Again, speaking of the same hour. John 12, verses 31 and 33. Now, judgment... And this word for judgment here in the Greek means crisis. Now judgment is upon this evil world. Now the ruler of this world, Satan, shall be cast out. And that word means destroyed or defeated. How? And, if I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. He is saying... My death is about to take place. 
I'm going to destroy Satan by plundering his house. When I'm lifted up on the cross, there is going to be a power set loose in this world greater than all the powers of hell. And that power is going to result in saving everyone I want to save, no matter how enslaved to Satan they've been in their lives. Now, let me ask you a question. Could Jesus have broken those bonds, bonds that tied him when he was arrested? I want you to be careful with your answer because the answer is no. He could not if he was to be the savior of sinners. Oh, he had the power to do it. But it certainly wasn't the ropes that kept him there that night. And it wasn't nails that kept him up on the cross. It was his love for those for whom he died to save. But if he had broken loose from those bonds, if he had ripped his hands off the cross, he would not have saved one single one of us from our sins. If God's justice, God's love, God's truth, God's salvation, and everything included in God had designated this hour as the one for whom the binding of Jesus, then God cannot break those bonds. Because I hope you understand that it is absolutely the will of Almighty God that tied that knot. And God tied the knot for our salvation as our substitute. Well... There's one story about that night that Luke doesn't include, but Mark does. In fact, the Gospel of Mark is the only book that actually includes the story. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Mark 14, 50 through 52. Now, this happens at this point. Mark is the only one who records it. And I think that is because Mark is talking about himself. I believe the, unman, the unnamed man here is actually Mark. And it says, And they all, that is his apostles, left him and fled. And a certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he left the linen sheet behind and escaped naked. Now why in the world is that in the Bible? Understand, there's nothing trivial in the Bible. And this is an incident that is not irrelevant. It is here to teach us something about the intensity and nature of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people. You see, here are all of the apostles fleeing. And then there is this one young guy that's wrapped in a bedsheet. Maybe he had just awakened. I have no idea. He's still following Jesus after all the others fled. But then the soldiers grab him, and he escapes so fast, he leaves his sheet behind, and he runs off naked. Now, what do we learn from this? The flight of the apostles has caused intense suffering for Jesus. You know why? Because it was the fulfillment of a prophecy. You see, in Zechariah 13, 7, the prophecy is, listen carefully, I will smite the shepherd, but the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now, that's obviously a messianic prophecy, but oh, how it hurt the Lord Jesus Christ to be abandoned by his closest friends. 
Christians. And the flight of the apostles as the fulfillment of this prophecy has an important role in Christ's suffering. And what makes the fulfillment of this prophecy so painful to Jesus is that Zechariah, in context, is pronouncing it on the unbelieving people of Israel. And in the New Testament, it applies to Jesus, apostles and disciples, his closest friends whom he chose to extend his kingdom. He suffered when the perfect round number of 12 was broken, and now he suffers all the more for his remaining 11 are scattered by God's judgment because they are unbelievers. So I'm sure he's, he's questioning what has been accomplished. A thing to bear in mind for your life is that the fleeing of the disciples was not caused by keeping their eyes fixed on Christ but by fixing their eyes on their enemies. There's a lot of enemies around the church today, my friends, and they carry some pretty big swords. It's a big crowd. The disciples fled. What about you? Now, what is the picture? Christ's sheep are fleeing their shepherd who is in that moment getting ready to die for them, to purchase their freedom, and he's going to do it all by himself. He's separated from his disciples. He's separated from his God. His God is separated from him because of his justice. His disciples are separated from him because of their unbelief. So the sheep scatter and the shepherd stands in absolute isolation as he watches his disciples run away one after another. He is all alone. But then a young man arrives on the scene. He bashfully steps forward to comfort the human soul of Jesus by his presence. After everyone fled, he is still there. Now remember, the young man's not even named. What is he doing? Is he going to break Jesus' isolation and give him a little comfort? Apparently, he kept following Jesus even after he saw everything going on and after all the disciples had fled. And surely, when Jesus saw him, he began to be encouraged by this young man. Surely he begins to see the presence of this young man as a gift from God, softening his isolation. But no, it's not to be. He also runs off. At the first sign of trouble for himself, he left so quickly, he left behind the only thing covering his nakedness. This companionship was quickly snatched from Jesus. Not even in this young man could there be any comfort because Christ's isolation had to be absolute. It had to be total because that is the judgment from God that sin deserves. God must take away all comfort, all joy from him as he stands alone, forsaken by God, inflicted with the sins of the world. I ask you, do you want to taste the judgment that Jesus experienced at that moment? Then you must go to hell. 
That is the only way you will ever experience his pain and agony and loneliness is to go to hell and live in total isolation, forsaken by God, and then you will know how Jesus felt. I spoke to a young man a number of years ago at work. This young man happened to be a new ager. And over weeks and weeks and weeks, I did everything I could to convince this man to submit to Christ. But finally, one day, he says to me, he could never become a Christian. Because, you see, his father was an occultist. And he wanted to spend an eternity with his father. You see the tragedy about that? The tragedy is that in hell, he will never see his father. In hell, there is no camaraderie. In hell, there are no friends. In hell, everyone exists throughout eternity in the torment of fire and in total isolation and darkness without any relief. At that moment, in the garden, in isolation, Jesus Christ was in agony so that you would never have to suffer it. So I say to you, brothers and sisters, fix your hearts on the isolated Christ and tell him this day, Yahoo, son of man, I have forsaken you, my Savior. I have isolated myself from you by my sin and my unbelief. I have been intimidated by the world, and I have sought my own self-interest. Confess your sins to him, and then be silent, and listen to his spirit tell you that he accepts you, because he's taken the punishment you deserve for forsaking him upon himself as your substitute. In a few moments, we, when we take the bread and we drink the wine, See it as Christ showing you. Here, I broke my body. I shed my blood. I did it all alone. I suffered the pangs of hell that you might be free and joyful for all eternity. For he says, For if when we were still forsaken, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life because we have been brought into communion and fellowship with him by his Holy Spirit. Christ was broken and isolated in order that by sovereign grace he might break the isolation and establish the communion of God with those for whom he shed his precious blood. You and me. What I've tried to do today and last week, I've tried to help you appreciate just a little more the intensity of the suffering of the Son of Man on your behalf. Why? That you might love him more profoundly. That you might be more profoundly grateful and thereby be more motivated by gratitude to serve him and to live for him. How can someone for whom Christ endured all of this live for Satan and himself and live in rebellion against God? How can someone 
after hearing that about Christ's suffering, say, I'm still going to live my own life. I'm still going to do my own thing. I'm going to follow the impulse of my heart. I'm going to do what I want to do with my own life. I don't care what anyone else says. How can they choose that kind of life when they know what Christ has done for us? And if that's you here today, and this may be one of you, if it is you, let me encourage you to repent of your sins and to turn to Christ, believing what the Bible says about him is absolutely true. And rest upon him alone for salvation, surrendering your life totally to him. And find that life and that freedom and that fellowship with God that you cannot find anywhere else in this world, no matter how hard you try. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.